Welcome to Our Scars Speak. My name is Christina Miner, and I am the host of this podcast. Before we begin this episode, we would like to provide our disclaimer. We are not claiming to be medical professionals or any other professional providing advice regarding your treatment plan. We encourage everyone to follow their doctor's orders. We are only here to share our experiences and provide support. Today, we have on Vanessa Spurlock. I'm so excited to have Vanessa. Um, I met Vanessa through Here for the Girls, which is an organization she'll probably mention throughout her interview. But I, from there, she's just been kind of like connecting me to people. She, I told her she's sort of like an agent within the, um, within the breast cancer world. She like connects people with people to do interviews and stuff. She's just a joy. And Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on Our Scar Speak today. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like um, I had to look around and be like, is she talking about me? <laughs> Absolutely. Because I told you that one time before when I got a phone call um, about an interview, I was like, girl, you need to be like an agent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so before we even start in the meat of your story, I would love for you to share with everyone, who is Vanessa? Who are you? Without the breast cancer, without the titles, like how would you describe yourself? Vanessa is loud. Um, she's talkative. Um, she likes a good joke. Um, she <laughs> likes a good glass of wine. Um, she loves her faith, her family. Um, and I, she's just an all around good person, good energy, good character. Um, and I tell people sometimes that I took the Myers-Briggs and even mm -hmm. though when people see me, they see extrovert, right? but somehow or another, it said that I was an introverted extrovert, which means that I can be in a room full of people and I can either be the loudest one or I can be in a room full of pe people and I'm just looking at everyone, but I'm still comfortable in that space. So Absolutely. I feel that... Um, if I didn't know me and if I had met me, I would absolutely love her because she's such a good person. <laughs> that is a very good description of me, actually. <laughs> and I could see that too far as like the introvert, extrovert, because a lot of people, even for myself, they see, oh, you're an extrovert because you, you talk a lot or you can communicate very well with people. But I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure this is you too. Like you have to have that introverted time with not just yourself, but the God who you serve. So it's like, there's, you have to have that space where it's like, okay, I got to get still. I got to get quiet. I got to get one with, with whom I serve, you know, with my God in order to continue to be extroverted and continue to meet people. Correct. They are. Is that sort of like what you kind of like, you get your strength from those quiet times and times away from everything? Oh yes. Um, well, so let me, let me backtrack just in case mm -hmm. somebody's watching single, never married, no kids, you know, being on my job 24 years, look at God. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, you are so right. It's like um, I, in my space, mm -hmm. when I come home, I'm home. Right. This is my peace. This is where I get my balance. Um, when I'm in the outside world, my energy can mesh with yours, good energy. Right. But when I'm at home, I could literally sit here, listen to music all day, sit on my sofa and never have to talk to anyone on the phone. 
But then there are days that because I do live alone that I, I want to call someone. I got to see someone. I got to go out. I may just want to walk around. Um, but knowing that I can have that space, my church, um, we actually do a Bible study on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. On Tuesday nights, sometimes I, you know, try to make sure that I listen in on Tuesday because on Wednesday morning at six o'clock, he does like a Wednesday morning inspiration. Okay. But if I miss it on Thursday, I almost don't mind because I actually listen to it on my way into work on Friday mornings. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like even though I get that time to myself, it's like my drive into work. I'm listening to that mm -hmm. just because I can get it just one on one. I'm just listening to him. And I'm just driving into work. Right. So a lot of times, yet again, I can be in that crowd when I know that I can hear the amens on the phone or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. But then there are other times that I just want to be still and just listen. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that's important too, uh, to that you know yourself that well, that it's like, okay, I need to step back. I need to have this time with me or with God. Right. So that's, that's good. And that's how we can hear clear too and make the right yes. choices. So, um, of course, you're coming here to tell your story about breast cancer, but you know how this goes. How is life before the diagnosis? Because so many times, as I say all the time, a lot of people want to know, oh, how did it feel from the point of diagnosis or going through when you found a lump? But I love to hear what was life like before breast cancer, which can kind of tap into who was even Vanessa before breast cancer, however you want to share your story. I just want to hear a little bit about your life before you even found whatever you found to even lead you to the doctor. So prior to my diagnosis, um, I felt like I've always been a strong person. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been outspoken. Um, for as much as I talk, I do listen. So, but, but, but I've always been that person. Um, I'm, it's either black and white. I don't like gray areas. So that's, that's who Vanessa was. I, it's like, I just enjoyed life. My mom tells me like, we'll say something and she'll be like, well, that's because you don't worry about anything, but I actually do worry about some stuff, but there are so many things out of my control, mm -hmm. which is funny as we lead to the diagnosis. There are so many things out of your control that I'm like, if I can't fix it, I can't stress about it. I just got to go on with the next. And that's who I was. I just felt like I was living my best life. This, you know, single girl, she gets to travel. She gets to do nothing. Um, she gets to go to work. She gets to hang out. She, I mean, she gets to sleep in late. She, right. you know, gets to leave the dishes in the sink. It's just all those things that you just, you know, your everyday life just being Vanessa. So when I use the term, I felt like I was living my best life. It's because... I didn't have any, when I say, when I use the term personal cares, I mean, not like finances, health, I mean, just your every day, but I just didn't have to think about anything, you know, other than, you know, caring for my family, making sure they're good, the normal stuff. But I, I don't consider that an extra. I consider that life. Right. And um, so I, I think that's who I was. I was just, you know, just going through the motions. I was just living, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and I, and I, and and I was living a good life. I mean, I, I had no complaints about it. It's like people be like, how are you doing? I'm like, if I was any better, it would be two of me. So, <laughs> so again, I, I felt like that was, I was living life. Right, right. And then the now, as we segue into that. Yeah. So, okay. So you're living life like just to the fullest. So at that point, how old were you, if you don't mind me asking, right before you found out, well, whatever happened, but how old were you right before you found out you had breast cancer? 
I was 48, 47, going on 48. I was diagnosed September 25th, 2017. Um, and I was either 47 or 48. I know that's funny that I forget because my birthday came in October, right? As I was going through everything. Oh, wow. Exactly. Wow, the month of I know. all the pinkness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did I know, you be like, yeah, my I... great, my great niece, she'd be like, thank you, God, you know? <laughs> So, so did you but, have a family history of breast cancer? No. Like I've had like, I mean, I've had cancer in my family, but right. not like my immediate, like my mom or my dad or anybody like my sisters, everybody's fine. Okay. Um, and if I were to go backwards and I, and I remember the year distinctly, I had my gallbladder surgery back in 2014 mm -hmm. and you know, I I've always been a thick girl. But right. it's like, you know, a best friend and I, we were like, you know, we were going to go on vacation and we were like, you know, let's, you know, get a few pounds off. So in a year, I lost like almost 60 pounds and like from 2014 to 2015. Um, still a thick girl, but I'm just saying I just lost. Right. And, and, and I was, here we go, just feeling like I was in the best health of my life. Um, I even joined the Y part time and I was working there. Um, you know, a few hours after work, you know, a couple of days during the week, I was actually like on the treadmill and running around the gym, like six to eight miles, you know, just, just living life. So wow. that, that, I mean, yeah, that was me. And I remember going to the doctor for my mammogram mm -hmm. and, um, it was on that Friday and on that, you know, Monday, the doctor called, they were like, um, did anyone call and tell you that you needed to come back in, you know, for a follow-up? I'm like, no. And they were like, okay, well, yeah, we'll go ahead and set that up. I'm like, okay. They were like, well, of course, you know, we're now going to go in to the ultrasound, whatever. And I was like, okay, not even thinking of it because again, I'm in the best health of my life. I mean, it's now 2017, right. but I had kept, you know, most of the weight off and, you know, just living life. But you and never felt a lump or anything and you did your self exams at home. I do. And, you know, okay. even when I find, when I, when I found out where it was, I'm going to be honest with you, Christina, I don't know that I would have ever felt it. Gotcha. It was like behind my nipple. And I guess I'll say I, I'm calling it in a pocket. The doctors would call it whatever they call it. But it's like, I literally almost, it was on my right side. I, even when I knew where it was, I felt like I had to really press down to feel where it was so go get your mammograms because yeah, absolutely I, I mean again mine was just a regular mammogram and and nothing nothing about who I was would have said oh yeah she's walking around with a tumor you know right so I um you know they call me and they're like we're gonna go in you know for the ultrasound and and that was on that Monday. So that was on that Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I go to the doctor and, you know, I tell my mom, my sister, and they were like, well, you want me to go with you? I'm like, no, we good. So I go into the doctor's office and I tell the doctor, I'm like, you know, when you look at that thing, nothing's going to be up there. Right. He's like, oh, I miss for a lot. So sure enough, um, he opens the chart up and, you know, he does the face and I'm like, and I'm laying down, you know, boobs all out. And I was like, so what do you see? And he was like, well, we're going to have to send it in. And what I was like, okay, look, I, I'm not good with gray areas. Right. You, you've done this before. I need you to tell me what you see. What would you tell your mom and, you know, daughter with, what would you tell your mom and daughter what you see? He was like, well, if I was a betting man, I would say that it is a tumor, but we would have to do more. So I'm laying down on the bed and my phone was like at the foot of the bed in the chair. I was like, can you pass me my phone? I need to call my sister. So I'm calling my sister, Gail. 
And I'm laying there with the phone, like on, you know, and I was like, Gail, they think I have breast cancer. She was like, what? I'm on a speakerphone. She's like, what? I said, I know, right? She was like, yeah, they need to do something again. So wow. the doctor was, I know the doctor was like, well, do you want me to go get her? I was like, well, no, she's at work. They were like, you came here by yourself. I said, well, I didn't expect you to tell me that you thought I might have breast cancer. Yeah, because you didn't have any forewarning on the phone. You just were told. Yeah, just in, took right? a look. Right. Right. So, they so anyway, then the I had to go. Yeah. So it was just a fluky mammogram. Now I'm in on Tuesday for an ultrasound. And, right. you know, then Thursday I had to go back so they can do the chip and the biopsy and all of that. So went by that weekend. Yet again, Christina, true story. Never thought about it anymore. I remember right. it so well because I used to direct one of the um, choirs at church and we had a church anniversary, I mean, choir anniversary that weekend. Didn't think nothing of it until three o'clock that Monday, September the 25th, 2017. It's amazing how we can remember certain dates though, right? Yeah. And yeah. And the doctor called and he was like, Miss Spurlock. And he was like, well, do you want to come in whichever way? I'm like, I'm not coming just for you to tell me yes or no. So he was like, I just want to let you know that, um, you know, we're so sorry to inform you that, you know, it is malignant. Um, it is breast cancer. It is a tumor. And of course, you know, I, I, I love the tone of his voice, you know, I mean, not that I wanted to hear that, but I could hear his compassion. Right. And, um, he said, you know, by all means, you know, we can send you records if you want a second opinion, but normally we set you up with a team. And he said, if you want to, you know, second opinion, just let us know. We can send whatever records you need to go anywhere else. I literally told him, I said, uh, he was like, okay, you know, you had breast cancer. I'm like, okay, so what now? And within seconds, um, Dr. Wilson called me. Like, it, it was like I hung the phone up. I couldn't yeah, even I call my mom and dad quick enough. And mm -hmm. she was calling me. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah, so, and then again, I, 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 I tell everybody to this day, I didn't pick my team. My team picked me, you know, so that's, you know, so that's where we are. And I, I, I don't, I never did get a second opinion. I trusted that it, that's what God allowed. That's where he put me. Then this is who's supposed to be serving me. And I was okay with that. Wow. Oh my goodness. I know. I know. <laughs> Did you have dense tissue at all? Like, did they say you had dense tissue? So they did say that I had dense tissue, but um, when, when I guess, and I'm, I'm, I'm have to go by what I've learned since mm -hmm. then, even when I looked at my charts, it wasn't dense tissue that, you know, like sometimes it looks like a full cloud that you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. um, actually the, um, and I don't know which doctor office it was. She let me see the chart and yeah. she was like, it wasn't like, I'm using the term like a hundred percent dense, like it wasn't a cloud cloud. So she can say, I can see, you know, that if they said you had dense tissue and I was like, well, could it have been there the year before? Of course they were like, we can't say no because you never know how it forms. But they said because of the size that it was a smaller that, you know, probably not. But if, I mean, I could have went three months prior to that mm -hmm. and they might've saw a P, but when I went, you know, it was already at two, you know, centimeters. So oh, wow. still not, you know, anything, I'm going to call the term huge that I could feel, feel unless right. I was pressing down, you know, so. Yeah. But and just that to know that that enemy was in there. I literally I was like, can't yeah. you just pluck this out now? He was like, well, yeah, it don't work like that. Yeah, no, we got to get some clear <laughs> margins, ma'am. <laughs> we got to make sure we got a whole area. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, when I hear your story, it's very interesting because 
people don't realize how deep tumors can sit inside of our tissue. And it doesn't matter if you have large breasts or small breasts, because a lot of people think density has everything to do with the size of the breast and it doesn't. Right, right, right. You know, as far as size wise, yeah, we could have more tissue and a little pea could be sitting right in between exactly all of our tissue and like what happened to you and you can't feel it because you're not going deep enough yeah and when we do the self exams they do say go in firm (laughs) but truthfully a lot of times we kind of we go down but we don't yeah you're like (laughs) yeah but you have to really go and try to you do um rib bone like to be able to go in there but yeah that wow so you had so what was your um what was your next step when it came to making your decision about what you were going to do far as treatment? How did that go with your doctors? So when I spoke with Dr. Wilson, and let me just say, she's absolutely amazing. Dr. Misty Wilson, um, when I spoke with her, it was like, I was sitting here talking to you. That's just how I talked to her. And she was like, um, and she was like, so what we're seeing is this. Mm-hmm. And she said, and this is what your treatment can be. This is what we can do. And I wish I had a piece of paper, but my sister was with me that day because I had went to my other appointment by myself too. And Dr. Wilson wrote on a piece of paper. She was like, I'm putting down one, two, three, and four. She said, what we see is this. But if we go in, she said, I like to ask people, what are your options? Like, give me your one, two, threes, and fours. Right. She said, I don't want to put you on the operating table no more than what I have to. Absolutely. So I want your decision to be your decision now so that we can do whatever while we're there, if we can, you know. Mm-hmm. So when she was like, your option one, two, three, four is this. She said, but if I go in and we see more, or we see that it's in your lymph nodes, or we see that it's, you know, bigger than what it was when we did your test. She was like, you can take one and two off the table because I may not be able to do, you know, we can't do that now, you know, for life-saving, you know what I'm saying? And, and I didn't want to hear that, but I love that she was so straightforward with it because it was no guessing in that game. So, um, I was diagnosed with 2.5 centimeter right side. I mean, I would say probably right behind the nipple, but that's because that's why I'm, you know, I was pressing. Right. And I chose to do a lumpectomy. My diagnosis was grade um, one, stage 2B, because it was above two centimeters. Right. So it was a B. Um, and I was ERPR positive, HER2 negative, um, with no lymph nodes um, affected. Oh, good. Good. So I did. Yeah, so I did a right lumpectomy and then I had um, 20 sessions of radiation with three boost. And that was my treatment from, and that my surgery was October the 19th and my radiation was November the 29th through December the 27th, whatever the day was after Christmas or two days after Christmas. And then I started, um, I did my follow-up not until February, um, because January, I guess they just wanted to allow for my body to heal, wanted to go back in for some more tests. And then I was put on tamoxifen in February of 2018. So I took that from February, 2018 up until February, 2019. And because I was already then in postmenopause, um, they switched it to letrozole. So now I still currently take letrozole. Now I did take that, um, the BRCA test, yeah. And I did not have to carry the BRCA gene. And um, 
And after five years, uh, my medical oncologist, Dr. Kumar Abhishek, um, he was able to send in like my testing. And it's like, they go back and retest your genetic from when you did that to see if you need to continue your five, seven, 10 year medicine. And on my sheet, it actually says that I can probably stop mine now. But he was like, that's your choice. Because he said, I know some people feel a safeguard and knowing that it still may be, it's like a hormone um, blocker. So I I continue to take it because that's my sanity. (laughs) So, um, but I, I mean, I know quite a few people that, you know, because what's the word I want to use? I wish I had a bottle in here to show you the medicine side effects. You could gain weight, anxiety, depression, all of those things. Right. But for me, I was like, God, I need this bottle to do exactly what it's supposed to do. Cause I'm not trying to take any other medicine. Mm-hmm. So I had someone to ask me one time, like, what do you take for your calm because of your energy? I was like, girl, I take my Jesus pill every morning. And that's exactly what it does. <laughs> so it's like, whatever is in that bottle for letrozole, that's what I'm taking. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to, I, I chose not to, but please understand, I don't knock anybody that has to take anything mm-hmm. for your peace and your sanity because mental is really heavy right now and it doesn't take much for a trigger. Right. And speaking of mental, because as you know, our scars speak is not just about the physical scars, it's about the mental scars. How through everything that you said, How, though, when you go back and you think about it, how were you in those moments, in those times? And what got you through if you did have those moments? Because a lot of people say, oh, I I just got through. And that's fine. That's some people's story. That was not my story. (laughs) I had Jesus, but I also had some depression going on. And I had real moments because we're people. And no matter what we lean on, whether it's God, whether it's meditation, Buddha, whatever their choices are, we still can have real raw emotion. And we also can have triggers that every time we go to the doctor or so can you explain like during and even now, if you have some, you know, still deal with certain things, can you explain that mental piece? Because I heard you just clearly talk about it, um, you know, dealing with the medicine. But as we know, outside of the medicine, there's also the reality of life in those moments. Can you kind of explain some, if you don't mind? Um, yeah, 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 definitely. What you confronted? I, um, so the day that I was diagnosed, I, you know, called my family, you know, a couple of friends. And, and even to this day, I call them my C-Squad because for a whole year, I didn't share this with a lot of people actually here for the girls knew that I was diagnosed before some people at my church. And I don't feel like, I mean, I I am open, but we'll get into that later, but it was just so much. It's like when I came home, I was by myself when I'm driving in my vehicle, I'm by myself, just so much to carry. But I remember calling my pastor that day. I was actually going to part-time at the Y and I called pastor Campbell. And I was like, I just want to call and let you know that I was just, diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm sitting in the parking lot at my school. And he was like, oh, Vanessa, I'm so sorry. He was like, where are you now? I'm like in my car getting ready to go to my part-time job. And he was like, well, hold for a minute, let us pray. So he prayed with me at that very moment, like no pause. And he was like, are you headed to work? I said, I am. And he said, I need you to do something for me. And I even told him then, I said, right now it's hard for me to talk about. It's hard for me to take everything in. 
And I mean, not that I feel like he's going to tell the whole neighborhood because he would not. And I say, but I'm not sharing it a lot right now. I say, but, you know, I'll keep you in, you know, our first lady posted. And he said, well, can you do me a favor? And I said, what is that? He said, go get a notebook, get a journal and just start writing. He said, because there are going to be some days that you're going to want to say some stuff that nobody can hear but God. There are going to be some days that you want to write down some stuff because you're angry, you're mad, you're sad. You don't even know how to express yourself. He said, so whatever you feel, write that down. And he said, and I promise you, if that's going to be your only outlet when your mama don't hear it or your sister don't hear it, he said, you're going to need that. So I did bring this. So I went to the store and I bought this book and this is my journal. And the front page says, Vanessa Spurlock. I don't know if you can see that. And it says, I, this was even before I did anything. This book I got on September the 26th because I had to go to work. And it says, I survived. Even before I even stepped foot anywhere, it said, I survived. So every day I had friends that would call me. These are, this is, these are my notes. Wow. I wrote in here every day. Wow. And just wow. whatever I was feeling. And then I had like a couple of my friends, Karen, Sharon, they would send me messages, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, cute little, you know, scripture things or supportive things. And I would tape them in the book because I'm like, I'm going to need that again. Yeah. And then I would just write. I could be looking at law and order. And if something popped in my head just to say, you know, thank you, God. Why me? I'm mad. I'm upset. I would just write it down because mm -hmm. I mean, I can't call somebody every time I'm feeling something. Right. And for all of the times that um, I'm always somebody else's support, you know, I had people that was like, Vanessa, you know, we can be shoulders too. I'm mm. like, yeah, but I'm not used to being weak. Mm. So it was hard for me to want help, ask for help, need help, because I've always been the person helping or making sure that you're okay right so I was like I'll just write it down and that was my outlet and it's like when I go back and read that now I actually cry more look I'm getting teary-eyed I actually cry more now reading that now than when I actually wrote in that book crazy right I know well it's <laughs> not crazy because it's all therapy in its own way and then also it took a lot of vulnerability for you yeah. to say, okay, hands off. Right, okay, right. God, what do you want me to do? And who do you want me to do it with? Who do you want to have me to invite in this space where I'm very, very vulnerable? And even when I can't be vulnerable, I'm going to take the time to write this out to you. But then right. even reflecting back, it can always bring us teary-eyed because in the midst of doing it, sometimes we're so... We, we, we think we're focused, but we're so busy getting through You're it. Right. We're getting through it, right? So getting, yeah. it, you don't have sometimes that concentration on the feeling of it all. Right, um, right. We may feel, but we may not feel to the magnitude of after it's done and we can go back and reflect of the goodness of God and what he brought us Girl. through. And then as we look at that, it gives us a different type of praise. It gives us a different type of worship. It gives us an intimacy with him because we took the time to lament during those times of heartache. But then looking back after we've gotten through, now we praise and we worship totally different. Right. So that's why when you say like, who was Vanessa and who is Vanessa now? 
So I even, you know, I wrote in the book one time, I said, I actually thought that I was living my best life prior to my diagnosis. Wrong. I'm living my best life now. Yeah. I'm not who I was. Um, my reactions are different. My temperament is different. My energy is different. And I, oh, I'm, I'm so living now because it's like, you know, you think about your opportunities, your losses, um, your wins, you know, what you right. did, you know, all of those things. And then I start remembering all of that could have been snapped away in like just a second. So for all of those things that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed my life. Right. I loved my life then, but I don't know that I would have been this person had it had not been for my diagnosis. I know that sounds crazy. No. Um, I, I think that what it taught me was that, um, that I can ask for help. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I, well, we hadn't talked about it yet, but when anyone uh -huh. asks me like, what is a word that changed, that, that reflects who you are? Right. We, at the beginning of the school year, we used to read this book called One Word and you would pick a word that identified who you are. Mm -hmm. At that time, the very year I picked the word was choices. Mm. And when I chose the word choices, it was because I get to go where I want to do what I want to don't have to answer right. anybody. It's just me. I literally told someone we picked that word at the beginning of the school year. And before the month was out in September, I didn't realize how many choices I actually didn't have. Whew. I know. So I was like, when I think about that word choices, but now if you ask me what my word is now, my word is transparency. Yeah. When I was diagnosed, I know when, when I was diagnosed, I told very little people mm -hmm. and it wasn't because, you know, you got this big old secret and it's 007 and it's locked up in a cave. I just didn't feel like answering questions. I didn't even know how to answer. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. But then when I did share with people and I'm not going to use the word receptive because I don't, I don't need people to be receptive to my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I saw that people needed that transparency they began to share about other things in their lives that had nothing to do with cancer yeah and I, when I wrote in my book I said you know my you know as we say cross the bear was my diagnosis but that just happens to be a tumor that can get plucked out but we need to look at so many other things in life that are cancers you know jealousy, hatred, finances, mm -hmm. you know, bad relationships, those things we can change when we change ourselves. Right. We don't get the opportunity to change what is in that pocket behind my nipple. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so now, yeah, the transparency that I feel that I have now, it's almost like um, I can admit when I'm broken. Mm. I can admit when I'm sad. I can admit when it's, you know, when it doesn't feel right. Right. Um, you know, you be in relationships and you don't want to say anything because you don't want to burn bridges. Yeah, I get to speak up now. I get to have a voice now. And it feels pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's li very liberating. And I- That's I the word, liberating. <laughs> I know for, uh, I always tell people, like some people who battle with being confident, because some people are like, what, you know, how do you get through? I'm like, honestly, I'm the most confident I've ever been in my life at some years old. Um, prior, 
after breast cancer, you know, after going through the the majority of the issues with breast cancer. But now, um, as I came through to the other side of it, it's like more confident. And I think for some people, if they were already confident, it adds even more confidence to yeah. them or even more freedom because we could have, it could have looked so different. We, right, right. we didn't, we don't have to be like, we could not be here right now. Um, so yeah, so that, so when you're talking about being transparent and how you journaled, what is the name of the book? And I remember what you told me about the book. You were like, I didn't care what it looked like, sound like you, like you had to get this out. So if you could tell people, cause see that might encourage someone who has a book, um, who has a book inside of them that they haven't even written the first word and, or either they have a journal that they need to turn into a book. So can you just kind of shed some light on how, cause that's, that's a vulnerable you can't get no more vulnerable and transparent than right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you just, are so right. Yeah. yeah so, so the name yeah. of the book, if you don't mind sharing, and what it's about. You have breast cancer. So what now? Awesome. So when I did the book, um, one of the ladies, Naomi Pace, that used to work at a print shop in Ashland, um, I would send her like you know some of my pages on my in my journal sometimes. Mm -hmm. And she no longer works there now. She's retired. And she was like, Vanessa, have you ever thought about putting in a book? My pastor actually asked me the same thing. I was like, oh my gosh, no. My exact words were, it's one thing in me talking to you. It's another thing in opening up to yeah. people that don't know. Right. And right. it was 2019. Yes, 2019. And I was like, you know what? I said, I think I'm going to turn this into a book. So I took all of my pages and I put it in like a sequential order of my September, October, November, December. And I just started plugging stuff in, how I feel and what I wrote. I even put some of the notes that was in there. I screened them. And she was like, if you can give me a 50 page short storybook, we will print that for you. And we can put it out for you. I never did put it on Amazon because when I first did the book, um, I was a calendar girl for Here for the Girls. Okay. So the funding from any of my sales went to the calendar girls for Here for the Girls. But now um, that I'm no longer a calendar girl, any funding that I receive from it all goes to making strides for um, breast cancer. So mm -hmm. I always don't make any donations to that. Um, so I never keep any of the money from any of the printed books. I drop some off at my oncology's office and things like that, just so that if they're sitting in there, they, you know, may want to read it, you know. I, to this day, I don't know that my mom has ever read the full book, but when I talked to my dad, I remember giving it to them. In 2019, I gave them the book two days before Christmas. Mm -hmm. I stopped by their house. And I was like, I got something for you. And they were like, okay, because we don't do Christmas gifts. Uh -huh. So when I picked it up and I handed each one of them a book and they were like, what is this? I was like, I turned my journal into a book and they both just stared at me. So my mom was just like, okay. So a couple of days later, I talked to my dad and I was like, did y'all read my book yet? And my dad was like, he said, I did. He said, actually, I read the whole book that night. Uh -huh. And then he was like, and I won't lie. I shared a few tears too. <laughs> I told him, I said, I won't lie. I did too. <laughs> and then he said, 
yet again, I see my dad every day. But then he made the comment. He was like, I had no idea that you went through feeling how you felt mm -hmm. the whole time until I read your book. And he actually said, because you never showed it. Mm -hmm. And I told him that's because I was trying to protect them. Right. And he was like, don't worry about us. We need to make sure that you're okay. Right. So that's when I knew then that, you know, in my book, I wrote that it was when, you know, Joel prayed for others when mm -hmm. he himself was healed. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, whatever I could do to heal others, not physically, but mentally, emotionally enough in my transparency, then, then I've done what I'm supposed to do. Because it, I, I'm trying to put it in the right words. When people don't see you, mm -hmm. they just see she looks good. And, you know, we always use a joke, be like, oh, but you're good now. The cancer gone, right? You're good now. You're right. You know, they that's what they see. Yeah. They actually want to see you good. But when you actually tell them this looks good, but on the inside, I'm chewing gum balled up in aluminum foil mm -hmm. on some days and you can't pull it out. Right. So when they hear those pieces, I may not want to hear that they are dealing with things, mm -hmm. but I've opened myself up to allow them to see that this isn't always perfect. Right. This isn't always healed. Some days this is broken. Yeah. And in my brokenness, I don't know, when I share that with others, I'm hoping I can make them feel better. Right. And that makes me feel better. When I'm listening to you talk, I'm hearing, number one, you were supported a lot by your family. Oh, yes. By different organizations. And so could you shed, because now you're supporting people and you, you do very well at it. Could you explain a little bit of when did you know that it was like, well, obviously you knew when you're on table, you needed support because you call your sister. But <laughs> when did you know okay, I'm going to have to go, regardless if it's here for the girls or some other organization or just you and your friends collectively. Uh, um, when did you know, okay, I got to get some people in my life that have walked this out before. When did you know, when did you know that? Did it take a while for you to say, you know what, I need to reach out to a support group or some people who've had my diagnosis? So what ended up happening was um, when I had finished all of my treatment in December mm -hmm. and I was going to my other appointment in February, I called my mom and my sister and I was like, I went online and I said, I see that they they're having a support group at Bond Secures for cancer survivors. And I messaged Frida Wilkins and she was like, yeah, you know, we do our meetings, whatever. So I was like, I think I'm just going to go. And of course, my sister was like, are you OK? I said, yeah, I said, I just need to see what my exact words. I just need to see what people do after. That's what I was like. Oh, you know, OK, so this was after you went through. Yeah, right. So well, that was after. So that's how I ended up meeting here for the girls. But I do have to backtrack. So I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. Um, September, when I was diagnosed, you know, you Google everything. 
Either you're going to die the next day or you're going to live to be a hundred. They tell us not to, and then they give you (laughs) sites to go to. And it's like, these still terrible. (laughs) So (laughs) I remember typing in, you know, breast cancer, you know, then when I knew by my surgery, whatever, like they Uh had lumpectomy, whatever, whatever my diagnosis. And it was just the breast cancer org site came up and on that site, I'm letting people know in case they haven't been on there. You can actually go and ask questions. And there are people on there that are actually talking with blogs that are in the same situation you are. So I met up with these ladies. I call them my around the world girls because they literally are from around the world. Louisiana, California, um, Kansas. um, I think one's in Sweden or Switzerland or somewhere like that. Literally around the world girls. Um, Chicago. And we were all going through our diagnosis at the same time. It was about 30 of us. And we would talk every day about the craziest things, you know, like what cream do you use? Um, what did you do in radiation today? How was your chemo today? Um, how's your hair? Um, you know, I did radiation, not chemo. I'm like, I don't have hair under my arms anymore. I mean, it was just the craziest conversations we would have. And never met them a day in my life. All of 2000, the rest of 2017, 18 and one day but we were we were just talking but by that time everybody was finished with treatment right we had one lady that was then re-diagnosed and we were like so do we just stop talking now like what what happens now right and they were like oh no we have to meet so in 2019 oh nice yes we all met about 20 of us in chicago and to this day i still they're called my pink sisters to this day, we still talk. I even sent, I don't know whether they're watching now, if you are, hey girls, <laughs> but I sent them this um, link this morning and um, yeah, they they were my support, not physical. Right. So moving to Bon Secours, that's when I was like, well, let me go see what people talk about in person. What do they do? Right. How do they feel? You know, is there a group for this or what? But when I went that night, which is so funny now, Frida was there. She was like, I'm so sorry. We have a lot of seniors that are in the meetings and that meeting was either during the day or they switched the night. So it was nobody but me and Frida. So I talked to Frida for a while. She was like, but let me, um, you know, send your information to our nurse navigator. Uh-huh. And I think like a week later, I was given, um, I was contacted by Here for the Girls. So that was February. Mm-hmm. I went to a meeting to Here for the Girls in March. And I tell people now, I vacationed with a hundred strangers in April because oh, yeah. I went to the first retreat that April. So wow. it was just so crazy. I was like, they always tell you, you know, you know, don't get picked up by strangers. So <laughs> in like two months, I vacationed with a hundred strangers. <laughs> so that's how I became part of here for the girls. Okay. And then from there you had other relationships that blossomed out of. Oh yes, definitely. Um, it's like, and here for the girls, it's like, it was like a stepping stone. I became like the new boober when, um, someone first is diagnosed, they would reach out to us in reference to contact. Um, you know, just wanted somebody to talk to share with, um, I guess I'll say at one of those moments there, it almost let me know that I haven't passed a hump, but I was in a place that because my life was at a different piece right. that I could bring somebody in with the energy of, girl, we got this, you right. know? So I became a new boober and then I was a calendar girl, 2020, mm-hmm. mid-September. And then <laughs> um, you see her up there, there she go. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, in September. And then um, Shannon Beasley and I, we were facilitators for 40 women in Richmond. The number sounds great because we love them all. It's just awful that we had that many people that actually needed that support. Like we want just yeah. two people, you know? Yeah. Um, we no longer have a Richmond group, right. but girl, we, we call ourselves family now. We are friends that became family. So we're just family. So that is yeah. so beautiful. It, yeah, is. it is. I wanted you to share that because yeah, you had the support of family, but yes. then a lot of times we have the support of people we've never known before, whether it's close or whether they're far away, but we hold on to them in special relationships because we've all heard you have cancer or breast cancer. Yes. And hearing those words, are just at the point whether you know what your diagnosis is or not, it is life altering. And I wanted you to shed light on it because I knew that you were very active in here for the girls, but I also knew that not just here for the girls, like you have these relationships and bonds with certain women in your life, even yeah. to today that are very, very special and very, very tight. And yeah. for people to understand okay, I went from this person who wasn't that vulnerable. Yeah, I talked to people, but I wasn't that <laughs> vulnerable. Now I've completely opened up to vulnerability. And through that, I now have all these beautiful relationships. And Definitely. And 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 what I love about that is, um, ironically enough, I the job that I work at is in Hanover. Mm -hmm. It's probably 10 minutes from where Shannon lives. I never, ever, ever... And I've been at my location for 12 years. Right. I've never run into Shannon in a grocery store, food lion, nowhere, restaurant. If I had not had met her through my diagnosis, I would never have met her. And she's like 10 minutes from where I work every day. And for people who don't know, because I don't know <laughs> Shannon is, but who is Shannon in your life? Shannon is my sister from another mister. <laughs> So yes, Shannon Beasley, Keisha Morgan, and April Morgan, um, not related like that Morgans, but they are sisters. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it was something about them that when I met them, um, I don't know, we just became family. It's like, I would talk to Shannon, just random stuff. And she'll be like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And I remember that she was actually a facilitator prior to me, um, like a couple of months or so. And she was like, Vanessa, she said, you know, we always, we're always doing stuff together. Why don't you just, you know, be a facilitator with me? I was like, girl, I don't even know what to do. Well, that was a lie because I did. So, um, so we were facilitators for the group, even during quarantine. We even say that we were facilitators in quarantine longer than we were in person. Wow. But during quarantine, we would have movie nights on Zoom. We would have dance parties, paint parties, workout sessions on Wednesdays. It was, yeah, wow. we would, um, Laura, April, when they were going through treatment, we would actually like be on the phone talking to them while they're sitting there. It was, yeah, it was a lot. But <laughs> it was just a way to stay connected. Yeah. And I think that's how, <clears throat> I think that's how our relationship grew because we became more than cancer. Mm. We understood that we met because of the diagnosis, mm -hmm. but we, we're not loving you because we're in the diagnosis. Right. 
you right. know, so, so at that it point, just, it's, a, it's a choice whether or not you're going to keep on being friends with these people or just sort of oh, like, yeah, definitely. support. See you later. See you later. Yeah. So, yeah, like a couple of years ago, Michelle Kahn um, lives up in the mountains and Blanche did a few years back too. And I think it was maybe like 12, 10 or 12 of us um, road trip. We had like a girl's retreat wow. up at Michelle's house. And, and what I love about that, it's because it, it was one thing in facilitating meetings in Shannon's home and you get to hear about, you know, is electrosol making me fat? Is it making my right. joints stiff? You know, what's your treatment today? What did the doctor say was wrong with your ear? That was, that's what they needed for the physical mm-hmm. support, but the emotional and that substantial, that foundation support right. is what made us so close. Yeah. Um, we used to even have people that, you know, outside of our Richmond group that would be like, well, how do y'all find time to do everything? And we're like, because I, I want to have tea with Christina now. Yeah. I want to go to Cooper's Hawk with Shannon now. Right. I, I like I want to do stuff with them that we get to forget for a minute that we're the diagnosis Absolutely. or we were the diagnosis. Right. So I think, um, and and I think in our transparency, they knew that we were there for a shoulder in their treatment and their support. Um, in the passing of, you know, some of our sisters, but they also knew that I want to go to your graduation party. I'm celebrating your babies. I'm glad you got a new job because outside of your diagnosis, I still want to celebrate your life. Yep. Because life continues. Yeah. Brings us to now. How is life now? Because Ah. some people say, oh, it's after the fact. It's like, (laughs) Kind of, sort of not, because it's like we still, you know, for most of us, we still go to the doctors and we still have to do things to make sure that we're okay. But I like to say now, because after it's kind of like, oh, it was something completely in the past and I have no connection to it at all. But because I know you and how active you are, um, how is your now? And, you know, you can even touch on like now as in right now and then where you're going with this, uh, with, with breast cancer and advocacy and things of that nature. So how is it now for you? So for me now, um, again, life is good. My family is 100% supportive. I have the best family and friends ever. Um, I probably get on that nerve some days, but you know, (laughs) they know me now. Um, I, for the days that, how can I put it? For the days that I get up, move, dress, do your hair, go to church, go to work, routine. Right. But then I'm reminded when I try to walk to the mailbox or when I'm trying to step up a step or just little things that I don't move like I used to. My joints are a little bit stiff. Thank you, God. No pain, just, you know, stiff. Um, I get tired quicker. I can't walk as much, um, but I still be getting my steps in, you know. Um, And I just do. And I remember telling someone one time, I said, I think I don't get sad because I can't run the, you know, around the track anymore. Uh, I don't get sad because I can't do the five miles 
at one time anymore. I get sad because it just reminds me that I was diagnosed. Mm. And I told someone one time, I said, I just want to know what I would have felt like had I had never been diagnosed. Mm. A lot of their responses is, girl, I can't move either. I can't walk either. I can't get up off the floor either. But you know what I tell them? But that's your natural body. Mine has been transformed into something else. So, but then I have to kick that back and say, Vanessa, put your big girl panties on. And then I'm reminded, I got life. I got health. I got six years and counting. So yeah, if I have joint stiffness, if my sleep patterns suck sometimes, if I can't walk five miles, then I do what I do, how I can do, when I can do, however much I can do. <laughs> and, I, and I'm okay with that. But I won't, I mean, I won't lie and tell you that I do have those moments of feeling sorry for myself or yeah. throwing on that pity party because I'm like, you know, girl, you should be able to do this. And then I'm like, but you are doing this. You're just not doing it as much or as fast as you used to do right. this. Absolutely. So. Well, that's a very good way of thinking about it. Um, So far as advocacy, what are you doing now? Are you doing anything? And would you like for people to connect with you? If so, let them know where to find you. Okay. So advocacy, I... um. Is it, was it the National Patient Advocacy Foundation? Uh, National, the one we just watched, the one I watched. Yes, NPAF. I think it is National Patient Advocacy. Yeah, I think that's it. So I try to stay on their page. It's on Facebook for anybody that wants to look at it. Um, I like how they advocate um, for your health, for you. Um, yeah. I like how they support for you. I love how they support um, in the impoverished areas, um, those people that may not look like me um, or that those people that look like me that may not be as served as others, um, whether right. it's in finances, whether it's in how a you know physician relates to them, um, whether they need assistance. I mean, I could get very well, you know, before I was diagnosed, I would never be able to tell anybody about ERPR or two. Right. But now I have people that call me be like, Vanessa, I have a friend that was diagnosed. I think she might be going through the same thing you had. Can you call and let her know like what cream did you use, whatever. So advocacy doesn't always have to be, as we just said, a foundation. It's right. just making sure that I'm like, well, make sure that when you go ask them for that cream because they can give it to you. Make sure, And if you have any questions, tell them to explain that pathology report to you because Dr. Wilson did, you know, yeah. ask those questions. Because the thing is, if you don't ask those questions, you don't know what treatment you're going to need or might need or don't need or what medicine you won't need. But the, the next part to that is if you're asking those questions and you don't understand the answers, now you're like, okay, well, that's what the doctor said. Right. Okay, I trust my physicians. I love my physicians, but I also love that they break it down because I'm not a doctor. So mm-hmm. talk to me like, just tell me, like, like I'm talking to you. Yeah. So for advocacy, I, I was just telling my dad the other day, and I think I mentioned it on the, um, on the um, conference thing yesterday. We were at the doctor's office and it was a senior black male and he was in the hospital 
He was looking for his wife. He said she was there to have a procedure done. He was on the second floor. He thought she was on the first floor and the aide left him on the second floor. He couldn't find the elevator. So I'm walking him to the elevator. And all I could think about, I told my dad, I was like, it's not the point that his wife is somewhere being taken care of. He doesn't know where he's going. Right. He doesn't know what the doctor's doing and nobody is talking to him to let him know because he's not with his wife right now. So yeah, just those things. It's like, I, I need, I'm saying I need in a world where I'm, I'm retired and I would, you know, I can be afforded to do it. I would love instead of, you know how you have, um, transportation that takes people to the doctors yeah that's wonderful but you know what else we need aids that has to go in there and sit with my dad and let him understand what the doctor's actually saying Mm -hmm. wouldn't that be wonderful yeah because everybody can't relate to what the doctor is saying um but also i am i don't know whether you've heard of this called cancer champions and it's with massey it's new so oh, yes, I, just, I have. Yes, yes. Okay. So um, was in touch with Amy Lacey, and mm-hmm. I think her name is Caitlin. Can't pronounce her last name. And so they just sent me the information for that like a couple of weeks ago. So I'm now doing that with Massey. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So they do different things in reference to research, um, yeah. things in the community, um, again, advocacy, um, when I'm saying just different stuff with that, but it's under the um, Massey Comprehensive Center information. If you want to look it up again, it's very new to me. I have not been part of any of their events yet because I just signed up. But when Amy Lacey reached out to me, she was like, I just know that this is something you'd be interested in. And I was like, yes, ma'am, it is. So yes, I feel that for whatever place I'm in now, I can see me um, having a voice, having a voice for others, right? making sure that people are getting their choices, um, making sure that their voice and their choices are heard by their physicians, and then making sure that if this, it doesn't mean that the physician does not know their job, mm-hmm. but I'm just so thankful and blessed to have Dr. Abishak Dr. Wilson and Dr. Erlinetta that gave me a bedside manner that if I was never diagnosed, I would never know the right. treatment that you can receive. And they gave me all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love that when every patient, for whatever reason they have to go to the doctor, that they actually feel heard, feel seen, feel valued, and that their health is valued. Right. And that I'm not walking in there concerned for me but I'm sitting here because I want the physician to be concerned for me as well mm-hmm. that's powerful so powerful so do you want people to contact you if they have questions or do you have like a Facebook page where people can contact you or email or anything yes they can reach me um outside of just being Vanessa I am also a notary so if you wish to reach out to me um, to speak, um, support, engage, um, you can reach me at Vanessa Spurlock on Facebook. And if you wish to send me an email, you can email me at intime, I-N-T-I-M-E, 
102868 at gmail.com. Oh, thank you so much. But you're not done yet because you got to tell me okay. about your song and your word. So you did talk about your word a few minutes ago, but yes. can you kind of reiterate what that one word would be for people who have wounds that are open and they're looking at them every day and they're, you know, going through a lot mentally or they have old wounds and they just not to say got haven't got over it, but they're still very much so fresh in their mind of what they've gone through. And just a word, one word and why you chose that word. I would choose transparency. I would choose that because when I wasn't, mm -hmm. there's a wall, not from people from me, but me to people. Mm -hmm. And when I became transparent, it's like, it was almost like a full transformation. It's like, now I get to speak my truth. I get to have a voice. But now that I can be, you know, it's almost like, you know, you just cut this open and you like, oh yeah, gosh, Vanessa's, you know, she's soft on the inside. She's hard on the inside. She's right. scared on the inside. She's afraid on the inside. She's broken on the inside. Yeah. So when some, when someone gets to see that, um, when, when someone sees you so stoic and strong all the time, they almost want to feel like they have to be that way around you. Mm -hmm. But when someone sees that you can also be that, you know, broken doll, then you know what they're saying? Oh my gosh, she's not perfect. Right. Oh my gosh. I can actually go to her because I see her. She's me. Yeah. And I want people to see that. I want people to see that even on my strongest days, I mean, I thank God. Mm. I thank God for the strength that he gives me. Right. But I also thank him for the moments that he allows me to be weak. Because yeah. what that reminds me of is, I, it's like, it, it, it almost gives me a new energy when I'm almost like, you know what, girl, you were broken. You, you know, you were in puzzle pieces, but oh my gosh, look how God done put you yeah. back together again. So yeah, so that's so yeah. So when I say transparent, I, I don't I don't want people to I don't want people to see me as a um as the loud Vanessa, as the fun Vanessa. She is, but I want people to see me as the I got you. You got this. I've right. been through that. I hear you, I feel you, mm. and I see you. And the reason I see you is because that used to be me. And hmm. some days it still is. Absolutely. That's beautiful. And you had a song. So I'm gonna let you share what the name of the song was, who it was by, and why you chose that song for your reel with your photos. The Kaylin Carr, You Will Win. You see the back of my book? That's my license plate. Oh, Okay. <laughs> And for podcasters, it says you will win. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the reason I um, picked the, it, that song actually came out right during my diagnosis. Oh. And she says, the enemy came to attack your home. The enemy came to attack your business. Hmm. The enemy came to attack your finances. The enemy came to attack your health, but you will win. And when I heard that song on the radio, I even remember singing that song at the first retreat because it was it was out. 
And I played it. I was like, this is my song right here. And I was like, you will win. And when I, I, I had to pause. I didn't start driving until I was in my 40s. So when I got my license plate on my car, <laughs> everybody was like, you know, what are you going to get on your license plate? You know, like something fancy. And I literally put on there, you will win. And you know what I think about every time people reading it, they're actually prophesying that when they have to read that, they're yeah. telling me you will win. Yep. So it's almost like when I heard that song, I didn't feel like I hadn't won. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had lost. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even want to feel like I was broken and, you know, all of those things, right. but I was, and I needed my, I needed that affirmation, mm -hmm. girl, you going to win because if you don't believe it and then, you know, scripture says, I can't, you know, be doubting in my mind right. and be speaking something else. Devil tongue can't do that. Right. So I was like, if I got to speak it, then I have to say it and believe it because that means that I can't profess one thing and act another way. Right. So I'm like, yeah, we winning. Oh, yeah. Jacqueline Carr, you will win. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, before we wrap up here, I want to just share with you, like I've told you, you are, when I see you, when I hear you talk, you're a supporter. You're an encourager, you're an exalter. When I think about it from the Christian perspective, an, ex an exalter is one who goes before the people and they exalt. They exalt the word of God, they exalt praise, they ex exalt worship to not only invite the presence of God, but get the people of God to also exalt with them. So when I hear you speak, I hear exalter, I hear supporter. And I just encourage you to continue to do that, continue to get connected with whatever you need to get connected with in order to <laughs> even go to the next dimension of what God has for you, because I'm sure you know, which you didn't go into it, but I'm sure you know the visions that God has shown you and the things that you are to do in the near future, but there's always a preparation phase and preparation can look like cancer. Preparation can look like stillness. Preparation can look like being attached to certain organizations or certain groups or certain entities to help us prepare for where we're ultimately supposed to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not backing down from what you are to do. It's just preparation. So yes, yes. You during this season to continue to prepare, because I know there's another thing on the horizon for you. Um, yes. <laughs> and I know that through that, even more people will be supported. And I know you'll be their biggest cheerleader because you have been that for so many people as you received cheerleading and encouragement, you also poured back out and through your preparation and through your trials and tribulations has brought you to a place of vulnerability and a place of transparency, like you stated, where you're right. able to share. And people don't understand that when we share, the more we share, the more we share things, the more healing also can come to us um because like you said we're not holding 100 it in so tightly but at the same time some people just aren't ready and i love the fact that you also truly work with people and very patient with people even in those moments so i just thank you for coming on and i just encourage you to continue to keep on keeping on because that's what you're doing and thank i love you. it 
And I just love how you just bring people and you gather people and you support them. And then, you know, you're like, okay, go do this, go do that. And I got (laughs) this connection for you and you just be linking people together. And I just absolutely love it. And just continue to speak, continue to speak. And, you know, and, and, and I, and I think for me, um, I know that I'm a whole lot of personality. I, I, I do know that, but what I, what I also love is, I mean, and, and let me go back to you as well. I mean, you, you don't have to have us here. Let me just use this term. This could be about Christina. You, you know what I'm saying? But I love the fact that you're in a space that God has allowed you to be in a space to even do this for us and with us, because there are a lot of people out there that will be like, this is for me, about me. I'm doing it for me. But it's just so wonderful that God has put you on this platform that you, you know, we get to hear about from the doctors and from the survivors and from those that are still in treatment. So I thank you as well, because, you know, I tell people a lot of times I can only be as good as a person I work for, but we can also only advocate, support and give as much as the person that we're getting that same energy from. So you, you give that as well. So we thank you for this platform because, you know, we can go and shout in the middle of a mall if we wanted to, but right now people are going to hear this, that we may never meet, but you are, you know, it's, he's allowed for you to be in this place. So thank you. You, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's not always easy, but my thing is, first of all, my story is not my own. And I believe that for all of us, that our stories are not our own. If we are able to be alive and to open our mouth, share right, as much as we can. So without further ado, this will wrap up another episode of Our Scars Speak. And for those of you who are listening, remember that your mental and your physical scars speak a story. When you're supposed to share, we have no clue, but we encourage you to do so because your scars that are mental and physical can help another person with their wounds so that they're able to heal. So thank you so much for watching or listening and we will see you back next week. And we love you. Thank you for listening to Our Scars Speak. And we hope you can join us again real soon. Meanwhile, remember that our mental and physical scars speak a story that can help heal the wounds of another.